I am Camille Johnson, and this is Finding the Floor. Stories and reflections of midlife motherhood, family, and finding meaning in it all. Join me as I share a little piece of my life and figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Hey friends, welcome to Finding the Floor. This is episode 74, and today we are going to talk about some of the symbols of Christmas. So what I thought was interesting about this is that I had this idea to do this in the month of December, and then I went to my ward Christmas party, and the theme was symbols of Christmas, and... They played like this cute YouTube video, which was from a book. So I thought it was a bit of a sign. (laughs) So we're going to talk about that today. And um, before I get to that, I just want to share something. (laughs) So today, um, my daughter's home from school because they had like a bus driver shortage for them and they decided to have the middle school stay home because the high school doesn't have busing and I am really enjoying having her home and it's just for a couple days and then I was thinking isn't it funny how last year I was like oh my gosh this is the worst Why do they have to be home? I have to worry about all these things. And now I'm like, oh, this is so nice. (laughs) I don't have to get her up early to get her on the bus. She can literally roll out of bed. And she doesn't have to deal with a bunch of the stressors that she's been learning to deal with as a middle schooler. I just think it's so funny how we grow and change, even in just like a year. (laughs) And then we can complain about something and be so grateful that they're back in school. And then you'll just have days where you're like, oh, this is just nice. (laughs) So we're having a nice mellow day. And it was just fun. Yesterday, we were just making lunch together. And I was enjoying it. So that's good. (laughs) Okay, so into the topic of symbols. Now, really quickly, I wanted to go over and help us, like help remind myself and you about the meaning of a symbol. It's funny, there were like all these like mini lessons on symbolism and symbol on YouTube. I mean, if you want to go in deep, you can. But I'm just going to talk about really what a symbol is and um, that will help us in this discussion. So we, because most of us really know what a symbol is, right? We're just like, yeah, that's a symbol. Anyway, I just thought it'd be helpful. Okay. 
So a symbol is a person, place, or object that has an underlying meaning. A symbol shows or represents hidden ideas. And a symbol is concrete to represent something abstract. And then I also like this other definition, which was a symbol is something visible that by association or convention represents something else that is invisible. And that is what I am this year just sort of loving about the Christmas season. Because there are all these like hidden symbols that many times we can forget what they mean or not even realize what their meaning may be. And yet they're still there and anyone can enjoy it. So I also think it's easy to kind of feel a little bit annoyed at how busy Christmas can get, or even at times like just annoyed at how commercial Christmas is, like the commercialization and how now you can't even, you don't even have time to think about Thanksgiving because all the Christmas things starts up like sometimes even before Halloween. It's all up. And so I just thought, ha, it's really easy to just let ourselves be grumpy about it, but I just think it's kind of awesome that so many people are out buying, giving, and getting, and even though they may not understand, all of this leads us back and represents Jesus Christ, because that's what we're celebrating. And I just found this really cool statistics. So according to a survey from Pew Research, 90% of Americans and 95% of Christians celebrate the Christmas holiday. So currently, 160 countries across the globe celebrate the Christian holiday, even in countries where Christmas is not part of the culture, such as Thailand, where more than 90% of the population are Buddhist, Christmas decorations are still put up on display. Santa is a popular figure around the world with many people exchanging gifts on December 25th. So I just am being more and more grateful. And I'm always usually grateful at this time of year to that everyone just turns and thinks about others. And it's just this opportunity where you don't have to be apologetic about believing in Christ. And not that I want to be apologetic, but sometimes there's this idea of being religious that it's not cool or whatever. And just during Christmas, it's just okay. It's so great. So today we're going to just talk about 12 of the Christmas symbols. And there's so many more. There were like all these articles were like 25 Christmas symbols and all these different things. Now, what's interesting, I think, about Christmas in general, and I didn't do any research. This is just what I understand. I could be wrong. So you could like correct me. But Christmas was actually started as a 
response to the pagan holiday celebrating the winter solstice. So the Christians were kind of like seeing all this celebration and some of it was like doing stuff that they weren't supposed to do. And so they started celebrating Christmas and the coming of Christ at this time in the winter solstice, even though technically Christ was most likely born in the spring. So I just thought that was cool. And so some of the symbols I found out kind of came from this winter solstice celebration and the Christians in the early centuries after Christ, um, when I guess it was, I guess it'd probably be more in like the third century when you had more people being Christian. That is when, you know, they would take these symbols, these pagan symbols and choose to use them for their symbols of Christ, which I thought was really cool too, because technically, you know, a symbol can have multiple meanings, which is another great thing about symbols. So I will mention maybe a few meanings or one meaning with all of the symbols that I've chosen. And there could be more, but this is kind of what I've come up with for today. So first, we're going to talk about the first two items on my list are the colors of Christmas. So they say red is the first symbol of Christmas and it symbols God's greatest gift, that of his sacrifice. of his, So God's gift of his willingness to sacrifice his son and then Jesus's sacrifice of his giving his blood for us. So the red that you see everywhere at Christmas time is that symbol of Christ's sacrifice for us and God's gift. And we can talk more about that later. And then green is the second color of Christmas. So that's number two. And green represents life and eternal life. And so that is the second. So those two colors begin the symbols and it you know, you always think red and green are those Christmas colors. Okay, so the star. Now, sometimes the star, that seems a bit obvious, like that is the symbol. But what I liked about this, you know, the star appeared to signify the coming of Christ. Like it appeared when Christ was born and the wise men followed the star. But I also loved what I read was the star is a symbol of the fulfillment of the promise that God made that he would send his son. And so when you see a star on a tree or wherever you see a star this Christmas season, you can think of the star in the sky symboling Christ's birth. And you can also think of it as God will always keep his promises just like he did when he promised that he would send his son so that we could be redeemed. So that was number three. And number four is wreaths. So wreaths have a combination of things with them. So I'm going to talk about evergreens a little bit, like a little bit later. Um, but 
wreaths traditionally are made with evergreen boughs or leaves and an evergreen is green obviously which again we have the green the symbol of life and eternal life the wreath is a circle so it also is a symbol of like eternal life or God's never-ending love for us but then depending on you know if it has red in it you have also that symbol as well but also I loved this um, when I was reading about wreaths and it said wreaths hung on doors or in windows are like a symbolic invitation for the spirit of Christmas to fill our homes with the joy of the season. So they're kind of a really good combination of all of the things. Okay, number five, holly. And I found this great paragraph about holly, which I'm just going to read. It says, Christians have identified a wealth of symbolism in the form of holly. The sharpness of the leaves help to recall the crown of thorns worn by Jesus. The red berries serve as a reminder of the drops of blood that were shed for salvation. And the shape of the leaves, which resemble flames, can serve to reveal God's burning love for his people. Combined with the fact that holly maintains its bright colors during the Christmas season, it naturally came to be associated with the Christian holiday. So what I've noticed too is most of the plants that you have during the Christmas season or kind of become the symbols of the Christmas season are green and full of life to represent that life that God gives us in eternal life. Number six, lights and candles. So Jesus is the light of the world. So that seems like an obvious one. And what I also love about Christmas lights, and we were talking about this as we were driving back somewhere, you know, and it wasn't very late. And again, we always joke about like, oh my gosh, it's so dark. Is it midnight? It feels like midnight. And it's like, it's 530. But the greatest part about the Christmas light at this time of year is that it normally is, it's just so dark and yet everybody puts lights on their houses so that makes it even more fun so it's like lighting up a dark part of our year and helping us to remind us to have hope so the lights symbolizing Christ being the light but this light also providing hope and but I also think of how we are also lights and we need to share our lights with others. So we're literally doing that when we put our lights out on our houses in whatever way we want. Ours is usually really simple because if we don't keep it simple, it won't get done. (laughs) And so we decided years ago, sometimes we would try to do these elaborate things on our house and it just would if we didn't get it done just the right time then we wouldn't have any lights and so we just decided to do something really simple around our door and we have just some lights in our back that are up all the time and so I just think it's so cool that we're literally showing our light and helping others get through this really dark time of the year 
I don't know. I just think that's really cool about lights and candles. Next, number seven, gifts. Okay, so I really, really liked this because this one kind of seems obvious. Like gifts symbolize two things and probably could be more. But first, we have our Heavenly Father sent His only begotten Son to come down to earth to save us from our sins. He gave us the gift of His Son. So Jesus Christ, this baby coming into the world, is a gift. But then you also have the symbolism from the wise men who brought the gifts for Jesus. And what I loved also as I was reading about, you know, the symbolism It is also said to have come from the practice of giving gifts was set by St. Nicholas in, I think it was the 5th century. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about him later when I talk about stockings. But um, a lot of Christians, because of his tradition by St. Nicholas, they, to honor him, would give gifts every year. And we'll talk more about that story in, again, in the stockings. But I just also love this little side note. Okay, so the gifts from the wise men, like why would the wise men even know about the coming of Messiah? And I just found this quote, which I was just so cool. Okay, it says, the Bible tells us that they came from the East. Most scholars agree that they came from the Near East, either Babylon or Persia not as far east as the Orient. Either way, the wise men would have traveled a great distance to see Jesus. It would have been a 540-mile trip from Babylon and much farther from Persia. So why would they journey so far to pay homage to a Jewish king? This question is most easily answered if we consider the possibility that the wise men could trace some of their beliefs back to a Jewish man named Daniel, as in Daniel and the lion's den. You guys, isn't that so cool? Because he was considered a wise man and was King Darius's wise man. And I think that he had this knowledge and belief of the coming of the Messiah. And he must have told all his other wise men that belief was passed down. Ah, isn't that so awesome? I just had never even thought about that. But that because of Daniel, when he was taken away from Jerusalem around, you know, just, I don't know, 500 years before Christ was supposed to come, that this tradition or the idea of a Messiah and looking for a star was passed down to his other wise men in the East. So cool. Okay. The other thing I also like about gifts was the symbolism of the gifts that the wise men gave to Jesus Christ. The gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So gold was acknowledging Jesus as a king. Frankincense is a healing ointment, which... Christ is our healer. So cool. And um, myrrh was a burial spice. So cool. Like they were just aware. And I must have been, I just think about how wise Daniel was. And 
just passing down this information. So it just seems like the wise men were very aware of the mission of Jesus Christ and what it was going to be. So we have the gift of love through Jesus Christ, the symbolism of the gifts itself. And then I also, yeah, I just loved the thought that because of Daniel, who was taken to Babylon, that those wise men in that area then knew about the coming of a Messiah. Okay, number eight, bows on gifts, which I had never really thought about, but it says a a ribbon is tied around a gift to represent how people should all be tied together in bonds of unity and goodwill during the holiday season. Such a simple, simple thing that I don't think I've ever really thought about a bow being that simple, but I just love that, that being tied together in the bonds of unity and goodwill. Okay, now candy canes. I loved the story that I read about how candy canes came to be. And I'm just going to share that with you a little bit. So it, and I don't know if this is the exact accurate story, if there's multiple ideas, if some accounts have like a bunch of different people might have thought of candy canes. So I'm just sharing with this one. Um, So in 1670, the Cologne Cathedral hosted a living nativity scene for its Christmas celebration. The choir master had great difficulty keeping the children of the choir in order, so he got creative. Plain white candy sticks were popular with the children, and the choir master believed that if they were kept busy licking the candy, they wouldn't chatter so much. But the choir master wanted more than just keeping the children quiet. He wanted them to learn something of the significance of the nativity. So he appealed to the local candy maker to bend the sticks in the form of a shepherd's staff. Legend holds that the choir master used his ingenious design to encourage the children to watch how the shepherds of the nativity use their canes to direct the live animals. More importantly, the choir master could instruct the children to consider how Jesus became the good shepherd. So, very cool. Again, so you have the candy cane, the shape of a shepherd's hook, and that Christ is, again, the good shepherd. And I also like this little understanding about the shape and purpose. Like the shape and purpose of a shepherd's cane is significant. The design is meant to literally hook sheep by the neck in order to lead them to better nourishment, pastures, waters, etc., or to rescue them from harm. For nervous and fearful sheep, the sight of the shepherd's staff is a great comfort. Anyway, just so cool, like all these little things, like the candy that we give our kids and that our kids love to eat, do you think about, yeah, that represents a shepherd's staff and all the things that that shepherd's staff then represents. Leading us to better nourishment and rescuing us from harm. So again, then you also have the colors and now candy canes are like all different colors, but the white and red, the white representing Christ's purity and the red, the blood he shed for us. Also, some people say if you, you know, you turn it upside down, it also is a J for Jesus. So 
there's just a lot of symbolism in just the simple candy cane. Just so cool. Like thinking of that as you're giving out candy canes or putting them on your tree. There's so many things that I just think, wow, what a cool thing. Number 10, bells symbolize the gathering. And in one account I read, it said it comes from St. Patrick who would ring a bell to gather for teaching and preaching of God's word. And then I read in another place about how bells was one way to guide sheep to come back into the fold. And what was interesting, in this one article, it was like in Greece. So again, you're having like a lot of the Greek translations and a lot of Christianity is going into Greece after Christ dies. Um, In Greece, shepherds use bells to help keep track of their animals. The bells help the shepherds know where his flock is, even when he can't see them, and can help him avoid accidentally leaving an animal behind when moving the sheep to different pastures. So a bell symbolizing the gathering, either teaching the word of God to gather in that way, because now most churches you know, have a bell tower and they'll symbolize like when the bell rings and it's time to gather for church. But then also how Christ uses that bell, that symbol of the bell of the shepherd with the sheep trying to keep track of everyone and not lose anybody. So cool. Okay. So now we're getting to the evergreen Christmas tree. So here we are again with the green, with the symbol of life and evergreens, which are always green, evergreen. And they said the leaves or the needles all point upwards to God. And then there were just many stories of like why we started decorating the tree. One story was about how like they would use apples as a symbol of Christ's sacrifice and also the symbol of the Garden of Eden. And so they started putting that on the tree. And there was also a story about Martin Luther, who was walking home in Germany and saw the stars through the trees and wanted to recreate that with his family in his home with candles. And most of the decorating of the Christmas tree, most of the stories come from Germany. So I just think it's cool, like this evergreen, all of the plants that are, you see around us at Christmas time, usually are blooming in the time of year where it's winter. So you just have this, this symbol of life or eternal life for always being alive and pointing to God. Okay, so number 12. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about stockings and Santa Claus because they kind of come hand in hand. So the story of St. Nicholas that I read said he was born in the third century and had very devout parents who had longed to have a child. And when he was finally born, they said they wanted to have dedicate their son to the work of God. However, when he was young, around the age of a teenager, a plague came through their city and both of his parents died. And they happened to be very wealthy. So he decided to dedicate his life to God 
And because his parents were very wealthy, he was especially mindful of these young women who didn't have a dowry so that they could get married. And this one story was a particular family had three daughters and they, he didn't have enough money for a dowry for them. And so he knew that this father wouldn't take his money. But what he did was he, it says he climbed down their chimney and then put some gold in their socks that were hanging to dry for the night. So then when the girls woke up and they found the gold, they thought it was like a blessing they would have this dowry. And it was said that he would do this regularly, either coming down a chimney of someone's house or just kind of throwing it through the window to get it into the stockings that were hanging to dry on the mantle. It was said in the story that after his death, there was this tradition of the stockings and giving gifts in honor of him. Again, we have St. Nicholas, which is this idea of Santa Claus. And I also just love this new way of thinking about Santa Claus. And sometimes I, I mean, I love Santa Claus. I love the idea of believing in Santa Claus. But sometimes I just don't want it to overshadow really the real meaning of Christmas is the coming of Jesus Christ. And this story that was played at our ward activity, I realized I'd never thought of this symbol before as Santa Claus, as a symbol that as the children are anticipating their gifts and this wonderful day that's coming, that he is also a symbol of the coming of Christ that it's important to help teach our children that just like we are so excited about Christmas every year and the coming of our gifts and all the cool things that are going to happen on Christmas Day, that that is a symbol for the second coming. The coming of Christ again. Teach them to look for Christ's return just like they look for mine each year. Oh, I just love that line. So, very cool. So I just shared 12 of the normal things that you see throughout the Christmas season. And many of you may already know all of this that I shared, but I especially have been thinking about this idea of Santa as a symbol of the anticipation of the second coming and just embracing that idea and not kind of being annoyed by the commercialization of Santa and helping our children and everybody just be aware that these are all leading us back to Jesus Christ. Even if we don't realize it at the time, this spirit of the Christmas time, all these wonderful things happening, this spirit of goodwill and love towards other, I mean, that is literally the spirit of Christ, which is so awesome. Okay, you guys, have an awesome week. I'm always so grateful that you guys listen each week when I like get a little report of how many downloads I have. I'm like, people are still listening. So thank you so much. And again, I have that newsletter. I'll have a link to it in the show notes. 
you can click on it um, to become a subscriber. And I just send out a brief little, it's literally maybe a paragraph or two. It doesn't take long to read. And it's a good way to just stay in touch. And I just share a little bit of my thoughts about the week and about the podcast. Okay, you guys, have, an, again, an awesome week, and I will talk to you next week. All right, bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any questions, come by findingthefloor.com, where I will have show notes and links for anything I've mentioned today. Special thanks to Seth Johnson for creating and performing the theme music. Come back next week and thanks for listening.